When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, thanks a lot for checking out the show. The Blue Jays lose the first half of their doubleheader against the Angels. 6-3 is the final. They're going to play again soon. Mooner coming up in the last half hour of the show. That'll be a blast. That's Cam Moon, if you don't know the nickname by now. We were uh, off and running in the first hour of the show. Jamie Elizondo checked in, head coach, offensive coordinator for your Edmonton Elks. Stuart Skinner was on the show, goaltending prospect for the Oilers. He's been skating in Edmonton as he continues to push toward becoming a full-time NHLer. He was briefly an NHLer this past season, backing up Miko Koskinen and getting in a game over the first month of the season. Got that 8-5 win against the Ottawa Senators. Good to have him on the show. I got to tell you, one of the cool parts of this job is that sometimes you get to interview somebody that you really respect and you really look up to. And that's the case for me here as I welcome Corey Graham to Inside Sports. Corey, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Reed, I'm really well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's it's awesome to have you on the show. Of course, you and I have known each other for several years. We, uh, you know, obviously used to work on different radio stations, so you you don't go on each other's shows in in those uh, situations. Though, uh, I, I always enjoyed talking to you. You're always somebody I thought I, I wish I could get to know Corey a little better, but work schedules and all that kind of stuff is in the way. And I, I was so happy. Like one of the highlights Saturday night for me was hearing you unveiled as the new PA announcer at Edmonton Elks games. Can you tell us how you got this gig? Yeah, thanks, number one, Reed, and right back at you. I've uh, been looking forward to this all day since I got the text from Dave uh, Campbell earlier today, so I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah, it just kind of it came together. Um, kind of a, a colleague, uh, at my former physician, you know, alerted me to a couple openings with the Edmonton Elks, and I got to sit down and chat with Alan Watt a little bit, um, just about some things, what they were doing, and, and this opportunity came up, and I'll tell you, I was really excited because, you know, I've done things like this before, but to, to be part of a classy organization like the Elks and, um, you know, have a chance to, to be at all the games, and um, I'll tell you, it's only been one week, Reed, but it just it felt, it felt awesome, and I can't wait for week number two. Now, look, you did play-by-play for the Oil Kings for several years, so you know all those tricks. But with football, there are more players on the field. You're a fair length away from the field. And it obviously was the first game with a lot of, a lot of new guys on, on both teams. Did you have, do you have a spotter to help you pick up some of the guys? Are you doing that all yourself? What are the tricks to making sure you're always announcing the right names of the guys involved in the play? Oh, gosh, no, it's definitely not me, especially with that, those Ottawa uniforms. Man, they were tough to pick up, but uh, I just actually I just heard him on your station was David Bowles. He uh, got to got to meet David the last couple of days and, and work with him, and, man, I, I thought we hit it off pretty well, and, you know, he basically kept me on, on target and kept everything going, and, um, you know, Al Stafford, who did it for, gosh, 20 years or whatever before, was there to provide all the tips and kind of let me know when to talk and, and when not to and when to jump in, so... Yeah, obviously a few hiccups, I think, for us as, as a group, but, um, you know, only going to get better. And, 
it was just, it was a blast. It was so much fun, even though there was no touchdowns and, and the wrong team won and all that stuff. But it, it was just fun being back at, at the ball field and or at the at Commonwealth Stadium, the brick uh, field. And I think, I think everybody that was there kind of had that same feeling, didn't they? It was. It, it was cool to see a live game. I'm with you. I wasn't overly pleased with the result. <laughs> you know, we talked with Jamie Elizondo uh, yeah. about that in the first half hour of the show, but uh, hopefully they'll they'll click a little better coming up Saturday against Montreal. Okay, I, I know you've told this story. You know, credit to our uh, to our colleague and you guys. Uh, you, you know, we're at twelve sixty together. Uh, Jason Greger, who did some extensive reporting on this, but I, I do hope you can retell it in some form for our audience. Um, you were off the air for a while. You, you, you went away and it was, uh, it was pretty serious. Can you kind of tell everybody what happened? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's obviously not my favorite story, but you know, it's something that uh, I've been dealing with for the last few years and kind of started, I really started noticing it probably 2015 or so, you know, being on the road trips with the oil Kings, just not, not feeling comfortable, not feeling good riding the bus, not feeling good in the hotel beds and stuff like that. Just never could get comfortable. And I, I saw a few doctors and did some physio at different places and it just never really seemed to improve. And it kind of just um, kind of went backwards for me a lot. And, you know, I kind of just uh, part of me thought I was getting old and I slept wrong sometimes or whatever it was. And it ended up being a, a pretty significant tumor in my spine. Um and, uh, you know, I had surgery in 2018, a couple, gosh, 10-hour surgeries on it. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say I was surprised with the way things went. Obviously, I, I knew something was wrong. I could just never get the right diagnosis and um, finally did and finally had the surgery. And it's, it's been a, a challenge since then. You know, I spend the majority of my time in a wheelchair right now. I'm still working towards getting out of that. And um, it's been progressing, but, but man, it's, it's, it's slow uh you know it, it was it's mentally it's been really tough um yeah it's uh it's um it, it's not something i ever thought i'd have to deal with but it definitely changes your kind of outlook on everything um i have been really appreciative to everybody that's there's so many kind words and so much support has been amazing and um yeah i'm just kind of every day sort of battling to get back and you know having these small opportunities has been great along the way and kind of looking forward to the next step here now well, then thank you for telling that story and, and thank you for up- updating everybody because I do think it's important to hear that and that you're being very brave and very tough. And I know you have you know, a lot of people supporting in, in your life, but uh, you know, you're showing a, a, a lot of strength through all this as well. And I wasn't sure because mm-hmm. like a lot of people in the world right now, we haven't actually seen each other for a while. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if how, to what extent your mobility was effective so you so you do have mobility but but you're in the chair quite a bit eh yeah for the most part i am like in the last gosh since about november of last year i've gotten some leg braces now and i'm up and around a little bit more on those with a walker and stuff like that so that's really been encouraging and um you know to be honest when i went to commonwealth stadium and they they installed a ramp in the press box and man it was really emotional for what they did because you know if, if if anybody's ever been in there there's three or four steps down to the main level and where i had to go and I'll be honest, I was kind of concerned about how I was going to handle that, you know, just because you, you park so far away, there's a lot of hills. It would have been a, I could have done it, but it would have been pretty tough for me to get up there, but to, to install a, a ramp, which I, mean, I almost broke down when I saw it. It was uh, such a nice gesture by them. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's coming, man. It's slow. Uh, and I'll be honest, I went to Johnny Brightfield. So I'm going to be doing some stuff with the Edmonton Huskies this year as well. And 
I, you know, strapped on the braces and climbed all the stairs to the top. So that was really kind of an unbelievable feeling for me. It's been a long time since I've been able to to get up to a press box. So, you know, those kind of little things have been have been really encouraging. And you know, there's lots of days where, man, I don't feel like it, it's ever going to come around. But then there's things like that where it does. So, it is coming, but it's, um, yeah, it's you know, every day is kind of a battle. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for sharing that. And like, I really mean that. I was so happy to hear your voice on the PA. And um, I mean, you and I have, I mean, like a lot of people in the business, we have some similarities to our career. And we, mm-hmm. you, you go into the world of sports kind of not knowing where it's going to take you. You just know you like sports and you like telling stories. So that's what it was for me, <laughs> right? So I've, I've, yeah. been, I've been pretty lucky. And I think you were, I think you were, because I graduated Nate in 90 nine and then i think you were in a group a couple years after me yeah I maybe was i'm older four, than i yeah. think okay. no i started late i started late <laughs> well i yeah i didn't i didn't go to nate till how old was i i think i was 24 okay so i, think I didn't go right out of high school yeah yeah so t- tell everybody so you so you go so you graduate nate in 04 and then eventually we heard you doing oil kings games but what was the path between nate and doing whl yeah, basically, I, I went over to um, a team back in the day at that point, right out of Nate, to do a production practicum and, you know, work on radio commercials and stuff like that. And they ended up kind of shuffling me over to work with this guy named Bob Stoffer. I think you might know a little bit. Um, <laughs> spent, uh, gosh, what was that, four or five years working with Stoff? And, and he, I mean, he taught me the ins and outs of the business. And, um, you know, he treated me so well when I, when I worked for him. And it was a great experience. And I... I honestly thought that sports would be something kind of down the road for me. I thought I'd, you know, start doing some other things in radio as a young kid. I thought I was hip and knew all the music and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, Bob kind of took me under his wing at a time when he was kind of starting out with his show and everything was new for me and, and you know, kind of went from there. And, you know, I always wanted to do play-by-play. And he, uh, when he moved on to the Oilers, he was doing the Alberta Golden Bears hockey and football at the time. And he gave me that opportunity to take over for him and, did a couple of years of Bears football and hockey and, and just loved it. And then when the Oil Kings opportunity opened up, I you know, aggressively went after it. Cause I, I read, I was at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Swift Current and Palm Bronco games. That's, that's the next step. And then things kind of opened up in Edmonton and a little bit of right place, right time for me. But uh, you know, it was the best time in my professional career doing that for 10 years and, you know, two trips to Memorial Cup and some lifelong friends with that organization. And um, you know, I'm, it's unfortunate the way things kind of end in this business at times, but that's, that's business. That's not a big deal. I just, I'm really proud of what I got to do there and I'm just looking forward to the next challenge. And, and like I said, when I had the opportunity to jump on with the Elks here, I just, I was over the moon. I want to flash back to those oil Kings, uh, glory years, I guess we can call them. And, the last two years have been pretty glorious. They just didn't get to have any playoffs to, <laughs> to, to try and match what the teams you were covering did. But what was it? Uh, three straight years in the Western Hockey League final against Portland. You know, thrilling series three years in a row. Two visits to the Memorial Cup uh, and a championship. I mean, junior hockey is so cyclical, but mm-hmm. not all the teams at the top of the cycle are able to do what the Oil Kings did. What what separated those clubs in your mind? I mean, you were around the coaches and the players as much as anybody and got that, that sense of the inside and what was really clicking. Yeah, and it's amazing. You look at that team or those teams, and absolutely they had some talented players, but, I mean, we're not talking about you know, Matthew Barzell's or anything like that. They're starting the national hockey league. Like I, I, and I'm sure Reed, you probably felt the same way from watching that team that a lot of those guys would have gone on to have 
you know, more success at the next level. And then just for whatever reason, I mean, a couple of them obviously have become mainstays at, at different places. And Mark Pesic and, and Curtis Lazar jump out and the goaltenders obviously with Bassois and Jari, but they didn't really have that, that necessarily that elite superstar that was going to graduate to the NHL. They just, they were such a tight knit team. And I, it's kind of cliche, I think, to talk about how tight a group is, but you know, I've been around teams that, that were tight. I've been around teams that were losing and, and saw the infighting. I mean, I've been around staffs that were tight. I've been around staffs that didn't seem eye to eye at different times. And um, it, it, you know, I think culture is something that's thrown around a lot and probably too much. But when I think when you're on the inside and you really see what a good culture can do for a team, it's amazing. Like it's, it's just amazing. Like I, I, I mean, some of those guys now. I mean, they're all gosh, they're mid to late twenties. Uh, a lot of them, and you know, I still talk to them every now and then. Or whenever one comes through town with a different team, you know, it's always a message here or there. And you know, when I was going through my my situation with the hospital stays and stuff like that, I had so many messages from former players, and you know, even like guys that I thought, okay, you know, I'm their radio guy and their kids and whatever. It's kind of you know, two ships passing in the night, but they, um, you know, you, you really realize how much of an impact you, that people have in your life and or life, and and. Um, yeah, I, just, I really got a sense of just how close that team was. And, I mean, the year they won in 2014, you look at, you know, I'm not going to go through all the history, but they, they seem to do everything the absolute hardest way. They get down 2 nothing to Portland in a final series. They get down 2 nothing in game three at home, like four minutes in, and you think it's curtains, it's over, and they find a way to persevere. And it just, you know, they had the, the passing of Christian Pelch, which was so unfortunate. And just so many things happened to that team, and they just they found a way. And it was just, again, like, I was so lucky to be there. You know, like I didn't do anything to, to earn a ring or anything like that. I was along for the ride, but they made me feel like I was part of the organization and part of the team. It's just, I mean, those are memories that I'm going to have for a lifetime. Great story. I, I love the memories. Those, those were awesome teams to cover. And a few of those players, I still get to interview occasionally. Curtis yeah. Lazar is usually on the show once a year, sometimes twice a year. I always call them the smiling assassin because you meet him away from the rink. He's like the friendliest guy ever. And then you see him play and it's like this guy would throw his grandma into the seventh row to get the puck. (laughs) Yeah. He was just unbelievable as a player in that league. Like I remember when he came up as a 15 year old uh, against Red Deer and this is like the Ryan Nugent Hopkins led Red Deer Rebels at the time. And um, in the first round of the playoffs, he's 15. He goes into the corner with, Colin Archer, I don't know if you remember him, Reed, but he was a 20-year-old defenseman for Red Deer, kind of one of the tougher guys in the league at that time. And Archer ran over Lazar. He popped up, a huge smile on his face. The puck comes around to the other side of the corner, and Curtis just put his head down and buried Archer. It was like, he, he, he didn't, I mean, I think the Oil Kings were down 2 nothing already in that series, and it was not going to go their way. You could tell they weren't ready to, to, to face a team like that. But just the inspiration, I think, that for the next kind of level, like that was just as they were turning the corner to become what they were the next couple of years. And I just, that always sticks out of my mind. Like the, the, the sight line for the press box is see a smile after he got buried and then just him running him over later in that shift and being like, man, this kid is what all the hype is about for sure. Yeah, that's, I, that's, that's, yeah, and that's true. Sometimes the, uh, the most competitive players also enjoy being hit. They, they get yeah. this weird uh, motivation out of it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've all watched games. Everybody's listening. They've watched games where a guy gets hit and that guy's out of the game. You know, like he's not the same player the rest of the night. You know, you can get to him, but the, the special ones are the ones that seem to, to enjoy it, to, to they become better when they play in a physical game like that. And I think it just kind of, I think that rubs off a lot of your teammates too. And then when you go into those series against Portland for three years in a row and 
I mean, yeah, all those guys are buddies off the ice nowadays, but man, you could definitely tell there was such a rivalry between those two groups of players. And I mean, I could sit here for hours telling stories about what it was like, you know, flying on a plane back and forth between the two cities. And, you know, you know, after they lost game six in 2014 in overtime, and it, it felt like, again, that the series is over going back to Portland for game seven. But um, yeah, just, just so many great, great memories. And yeah, players like that are, are the ones that really kind of stick in your mind. Okay. Well, Corey, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to do this again. You know, thank you for sharing your story with what you've been through over the last few years. And we wish you continued health and continued recovery. I know you're working hard and I hope you have several Elks touchdown scores to announce on Saturday. Sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also, I love the feedback on Twitter. I'm going to slow down the high school football call because everyone wants to hear that again. So yeah, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to uh, Saturday night against Montreal. Thanks for the time. That is Corey Graham checking in tonight, former play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oil Kings, like me, a graduate of radio and television at Nate and uh, doing the Elks. And as he told you, he's going to be doing some stuff with the Edmonton Huskies uh, as well. He is a great guy, and it was uh, an honor for me to have him on the show. So we'll definitely catch up with him again. And as you heard, he's... Uh... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He's a great storyteller, too, with some memories of the uh, Oil Kings and their Memorial Cup championship. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I also do want to let you know on a, on a sad note tonight, Tony Esposito has passed away after a brief battle with pancreatic cancer, 78 years of age. The former goaltender, of course, was a Hall of Famer, played almost his entire career with the Chicago Blackhawks. He did uh, briefly play with the Montreal Canadiens before moving on to Chicago, an absolute outstanding goaltender. And also on a sad note with the Edmonton Elks, the Elks uh, announcing earlier today on social media that they mourn the passing of longtime employee Shona Wards. The Elks saying she was an integral part of the club for over three decades and then worked closely with the EE Alumni Association. Jed Roberts, who's a frequent guest on this show, tweeted, damn, this woman used to make me hustle. Shona was the backbone of the Edmonton Football Club's community engagement stay-in-school program for many decades, once always, from Jed Roberts. And we offer our condolences to the Elks and everybody who is a family member or friend of Shona Wards. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. to the blue line. It's given away. Here's McDavid. A breakaway. Connor McDavid. He'll shoot. Scores! Hat-trick goal for Connor McDavid. 
McDavid, his fourth hat trick of the season, and the Edmonton Oilers are up 6-1. What do you call a series of Cam Moon highlights? A montage. Yes, I get paid to do that. Cam Moon's on the line. Hey, Cam, how's it going? Very well. That was great. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what you do when you come up with something when you come up with something during the commercial break. That's usually the quality you get, everybody. That's right. right. <laughs> How's your evening? Thanks for nothing, Reed. That's you. Best well, in the bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, buddy. How's your evening? What are you up to these days? Well, this evening, it's, I've been all over the board. I, I tried to watch the Dodger game to start. They went into a rain delay, so I caught the end of the Jays. Uh, they lost the first game of the doubleheader. I guess they'll be starting here pretty soon if they haven't already. And uh, now I've got the the back end of Boston and Tampa going right now. See, so. you you are an amazing baseball fan. I have found as I have become a more seasoned individual, well into my mm-hmm. middle age, as as are you. We're in the same neighborhood. Yeah. That. My relationship, I, I, I have become more distant with the sport of baseball. That's how I'll put it politely, to break up with baseball politely. Uh, certainly, if the Blue Jays are competitive, I'll get more interested. Usually, we'll watch bits and pieces of the playoffs. But like late 80s, most of the 90s, early 2000s, I, I like knew way more. It was more likely that I would sit down and watch a game. My relationship with baseball, though, has changed. Is that me that has changed, Mooner? Is that baseball that has changed? Did we just grow apart naturally? I'm not sure. I I I can't explain it. Your misguided, um, (laughs) misguided non-love of the game of baseball, and maybe it's the MLB game. I I don't know. Uh, I can't get enough of it. In fact. But it doesn't have to be MLB. As you know, I've been to a few Prospects games this summer. Uh, I always saw a game in Sylvan Lake. I can't wait for the Riverhawks next year. Can't wait. Uh, I've got to see some 18U games this summer, and I'm right now on the Baseball Alberta website trying to figure out my weekend here because the provincials for the 18Us get going this weekend in Shored Park in St. Albert. It's all coming together, Reed. It's so all you'll just, coming together. You'll just drive out and, and watch a game or two just to take something yeah. in. Absolutely, I will. Yes, 100%. I will. I'm just uh, just lining it up right now. Yeah, look at that. There's all. Okay. Boy, this is going to so, be great. So here's a, here's a huge hypothetical. Yeah. And, the, 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 and I'm going to admit, it's a, maybe a bit of an unfair question, but you've listened to me enough that sometimes it's just like, what, what is Wilkins asking? But I guess that's what he thinks he's going to ask. So I'm going to ask yeah. you one of those okay. questions. Sure. Huge sure. hypothetical, because you and I have worked as sports broadcasters in some form, the ma- large majority of our adult lives now. Like me, since yeah. my mid-20s, you even, I think, a little earlier than your mid-20s. Yes. Yeah. So if, if you had done something else like if you'd gone to law school and we're now a judge because you obviously would be a judge by now oh sure. what's what, 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 ju, ju, order order uh what what sport do you think you would watch the most of would it would it be like if you were not a sports broadcaster you'd get gone into another walk of life what sport do you think you'd watch the most of would it be hockey or would it be baseball Oh, it'd probably be baseball. I mean, hockey's been yeah. my entire life. Hockey's all I've ever done. 
Right. And I love it. But I, I enjoy the contrast of baseball. I certainly enjoy the, the strategy of it and the fact that you're never out and that there's no clock. Like that, that part of the game to me is just absolutely fascinating. And, and when it gets to playoffs, uh, that every pitch is so important. Uh, I, it probably would be that. But in hockey, that's, that's all I've ever done. Like that's, that's all I know. And, and I love the game. And I, same thing. I, I guess I have the same relationship with hockey, though. Like when the season's on, and yeah, I'll be watching a lot of, of NHL, clearly Euler games, when, because we broadcast them, but other games as well, because you're interested in what else is happening. But I'm also interested in what the Oil Kings are doing, and I want to go mm-hmm. see them play. And if things get back to normal, which I expect they will, like it's not out of the realm of possibility if there was an U game on uh, at the Bill Hunter Arena, like, I would go watch that. See the Bears or the Ukes play or whatever. I I just love I love going to games. I love being at games. A live event is great. TV's fine, but I much rather be there. Um, so it's in the winter. It, it's just a different sport, but it's the same passion for that sport. Uh, like those, yeah, and and I. I guess I, I do watch a lot of baseball, certainly, and I, I watch a lot on, on television, but I like to be at games, too. And, and like I said, when the, when the Riverhawks are, are in next summer, I will take in a, a, quite a few of those games, and I look forward to it, especially with the renovations that have been, been done to the field. I'm looking forward to that, too. So, yeah, but baseball is right up there with, like, with hockey for me. To me, they're like 1-1A. One one yeah, see that, that that would for me that would be football and hockey, and then, yeah. as you know, especially with golf, especially if it's a major, like and a lot of people say like seriously, but I I will get up and watch. I won't necessarily watch the guys who are twelve shots off the lead, but I'll watch the leaders for the entire final round, like four and a half hours. And then people say, "Well, wait, you watch that, and you can't sit through a baseball game anymore." But I. But like, like this is an interesting discussion because I have found that when it has come to baseball, I just reached a point where I can't do the pace. And again, I wonder, is that me changing as a human being? And has I, have I somehow become less patient? Am, am I now one of these people that has to look at my phone or has to be stimulated every five minutes? Or is there an actual issue with the pace of a major league baseball game on TV. I, I ask you that because you obviously continue to be a more dedicated observer than I have been. I would say it's a bit of both. I would say part of it is your attention span might be a little tighter than it used to be. And part of it is the MLB game as time has gone on, the games have got uh, longer. They've, whether that's a little extra time uh, during the, the breaks between innings for commercials because they are a little bit longer now than they were before or the amount of pitching changes that you see in today's game that you didn't see 30 years ago uh, where they would let pitchers pitch longer into games and you didn't... And I know they have the rule now where you, you're going to see three batters so you're not seeing that that lefty guy come in for just one batter and I mean, it really does slow things down but overall the game has got slower so i would say it's a bit of both i'm mm-hmm. such a hardcore that i don't even care uh but what what does grind me a little bit is um is the way the approach is now at the plate now uh, compared to before where 
maybe you just wanted to get the ball into play or whatever. Now everybody's trying to hit the home run. So the strikeouts mm-hmm. go up. The home runs, I mean, you still get the home runs, of course, because guys are swinging from their ankles and they're swinging for uh, for a launch angle as opposed to just putting the ball into play. So as a result, over the course of a game, you probably have a little less action, but uh, I still love the game. And, and I... Uh, when it gets to the playoffs, to me, that is that's absolute gold. So, yeah, if it's a, a non-oiler game night in October, I will pit in with a bowl of popcorn and uh, take in an entire game. Yeah. With inside sports on in the background. Uh, well, I, hey, I, I just had it on all night tonight. I'll tell you right now. You you actually are one of my most loyal listeners, even when you lived in Red Deer, which yeah. I, I appreciate that somebody can tolerate me uh, night after night. And I want to I wanna point out to everybody how polite Cam was about a minute ago when he said to me, your attention span is a little tighter than it used to be, which was his way of politely telling me that I'm just kind of a big dummy. No. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Your attention span is a little tighter than it used to be. That's Mooner saying, Reed, I, I have seen your gla- your eyes glaze over at the rink after five seconds of me trying to give you instructions for the face-off show. And you're yeah. just like, where is Wilkins going? Where, he's where like, is he going? He's, he's fantasizing about the last game or a Spider-Man <laughs> comic or he's thinking ahead to the post-game show already. I can't even get through it. Yeah. Pure gold. <laughs> okay, we had Corey Graham on the show. Yeah. What a great guy. Yeah, I was so happy to hear Corey on your show, but really happy to hear. And I didn't know that he was doing the PA at the Elks game, and I'm sitting there, and then he gets on in the in the first quarter or even before the game. I'm like, that's Corey. <laughs> I was, that's awesome. I'm so happy for him. Real good guy. Had uh, a lot of interaction with him uh, during his time with the Oil Kings, of course. Uh, but great to see him, you know, being involved with the Elks and and to get a job that he's he's passionate about and is going to enjoy for sure. I, I that was exciting. I it, I'm like you. I was disappointed with the result of the game, and I understand. You know, these teams didn't have a preseason and haven't played for a couple of years, so. It was going to be somewhat erratic in game one, and I would say that's fair uh, from both sides. I, it wasn't the, you know, the cleanest or the crispest game you've ever watched, but uh, it was still exciting. Still went down to the, to the final play, the final yard, no less. Uh, and I can't wait for Saturday because I'll be there too. Okay, I want to ask you, uh, so Corey Graham, you, you and he were WHL play-by-play guys at the same time. How much... Do you rely on the other play-by-play guy when you go into his rink or, or he comes to yours? Because there has to be some in junior hockey where you think you got the other team's roster down and you show up and it's like, who the heck is this midget AAA player with 18 letters in his last name? <laughs> yeah. Like, you you got to go to the other guy to get that, don't you? Yeah, and for the most part, we would exchange that information uh, before you ever showed up at the rink. Okay. <laughs> so that you don't, so that you don't get hit with that curveball at the last second. Who's this guy? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what you don't want to do. And you also rely on the other play-by-play person to give you pronunciations, like player 
we want to say the name right. And especially when you got the, you know, we got the European players coming over, you'll look at it and you're like, um, how are we going with this one? You know, like you wanted to make sure you got it right. So, uh, I I would make sure that at the start of the season, I would talk with all the players, uh, about their, the pronunciation of their last name so that we get it right. And, and then relay that information to, uh, whoever's coming into town. So certainly that, and and just yeah, little things, just you know how the team's been playing and and what's been happening. Yeah, the, the other play-by-play people are are huge resources. And yeah, you're going to talk to the coaches, and you do. But I mean, some will give you quite a bit, and some might keep it close to the vest. But so the play-by-play person, they're there every day. They see what's going on and and what the trends are, who's playing well right now, and how the team's doing, and all those sorts of things. So yeah, you. We discuss all the time about it. So, yeah, that, you got to know Corey really well. And, and I liked his, uh, his story about Curtis Lazar in that playoff series with Red Deer when he came up as a, a 15-year-old. And you could tell, like you could tell right then that uh, and Lazar was a first-round Bantam pick. You expect him to be pretty good. But even still, if he can come up in the playoffs as a 15 and, and played as well as he did, against uh it was a it was a good red deer team that year that finished first in the division so it was going to be a a tough series for the oil kings anyway but uh i thought lazar did really well and yeah he ran into colin archer give him a pretty good shot i thought that was uh that was a great story just talking about how good you know when you knew early on that uh that curtis lazar was going to be a special player all right mooner uh oilers stuff uh Perlini was signed. He, uh-huh. he was on, and I'll get to a clip with him before the end of the show tonight because he does have a relationship with Dave Tippett. I look. I, I saw him play. He was okay. He had a couple of decent offensive seasons. I don't know if he's a lock to be on the team because I always say, okay, there's a reason he had to go to Europe last season. But realistically, what do you think of Brendan Perlini coming here? I don't know a ton about him, to be completely honest. My knowledge of him is extremely limited so i will reserve comment until after training camp and i get to see him with my own eyes i can certainly read a lot about him but i don't i don't always trust what i read and and i need to i need to see him so i'm gonna wait till camp before i get too fired up one way or the other about uh brendan perlini um but yeah, and I, I loved you had Stuart Skinner on. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what he has at camp this year because we saw him at the start of the year. He's, he's backing up Miko Koskinen, and he gets into a game, gets his first game under his belt, gets a win, which is wonderful, but goes down to the American League and has a really good year. And so it would be nice to see where he is now compared to where he was a year ago, and if that trajectory of development keeps moving on, that uh, that that's exciting things I think for Stuart Skinner. So I hope uh, I hope we get to see a bit of that in camp in the preseason and that sort of thing. Mooner, I love having you on the show. As you know, we're we bug you pretty much every every week, and we appreciate yeah. that you're always available. So enjoy whatever baseball game you're getting back to. Okay, thanks. I'm going to I might do a little diamond surfing now. He's doing diamond <laughs> I might, surfing. I might bounce around a little. Yeah. All right. Thanks, buddy. That is Cam Moon, Oilers play-by-play voice here on 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. Always fun to chat with him. 
And we'll uh, get to a comment from Brendan Perlini when we get back to Inside Sports. Darnell Nurse was on this very program on Friday, shortly after signing that big eight-year contract extension worth $9.25 million per season. It kicks in next year. He'll play out the final year of his current contract this coming season. Okay, mentioned Brendan Perlini, two-way contract with the Edmonton Oilers. He was on uh, Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, guest hosted this week by the one and only Brendan Escott. And uh, Perlini... Talked about playing for Dave Tippett back in his rookie year in the NHL in 16-17. Uh, I have a great relationship with Tippett. That was definitely uh, a big, big reason for me uh, coming to Edmonton was just the familiar, uh, familiarity of, of himself, of uh, his style. I had uh, good success my first season under him. You know, in probably I think I played a half a season or something like that so um you know like i said i mean it's just that familiarity of knowing what he likes what he doesn't like um he knows where i'm very good at and where i'm not good at and things like that so he can put me in a position uh to try and you know achieve or whatever too and i I think it's like you said a, a bit you know that trust either way and i think maybe that's in the past uh you know whether it was chicago or detroit maybe you're um you know fighting that a little bit you're trying to find out what the coach really likes and it it takes a while for that right and i think that was a a part of the interest of edmonton was that i know tip and you know his system and how he likes to play and things like that so um yeah that's that's kind of the the basis of our relationship there we've we're definitely uh you know after my first season pro uh you know, it was obviously, uh, I, I really enjoyed playing under him. And like I said, and, uh, you know, looking forward to it uh, coming up here in, in Edmonton. A little bit there from Brendan Perlini earlier today on Oilers Now. And I also want to get this in Christine Sinclair, Canadian soccer legend, on a Zoom call earlier today, asked what should happen next for women's soccer in Canada? I'm no expert in this matter. So what I say is just what I think. Um, And I never went about forming a league or teams before. Um, I think the short-term goal should should be NWSL, um, similar to how it was with the MLS, um, bringing a couple of franchises to Canada. Um, Seems like the easy, logical step. Um, And I think it, honestly, it just takes you know, some wealthy individuals within Canada willing to invest in women's sports and women's soccer. Um, Individuals do that on the men's side. Companies do that on the men's side all the time and are willing to lose millions of dollars, um, but they're willing to do it. And so I think within Canada, it's just people willing to to do that for the women's side of the game. I honestly think that's what it's going to take. It's just some people with some deep pocket books, um, willing to take a chance shows you how modest christine sinclair is Uh, she's only the greatest soccer player in our nation's history and starts her answer by saying i'm no expert i I think she might understand what has to happen for canadian soccer to stay strong anyway thanks for listening tonight fun show dave campbell's the producer kellen kennedy your studio operator vernon adams from the owls one of our scheduled guests for tomorrow my name's reed have a great night 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.